One, two, three, four. In this podcast, you will be here. Knights of Vader, Knights of Vader. Includes, but is not limited to. Talk of Star Wars, not Reagans. We can truly prepare for the jump that follows this song. But hey, we gave it a try. So here's the Knights of Vader. They are divided For equal sequel Hate and love they fight I know that we are just musicians hired And their time is up So here's the Knights of Vader Impressive Most impressive A big thank you to Anspiriority Complex For providing our theme song It is October 18th, 2018 And we're talking Star Wars Resistance my name is Zach Weber. Tonight, I'm joined by Zenger. Uh, I'm the best pilot in the galaxy. Best starfighter pilot. The show doesn't have a lot of good quotes, I've realized. The show doesn't? No, that's that's like the only one I could think of. Exactly. Okay, it's well, said 50 times in each episode. Yeah. Yes, that that is, uh, I think it's a tagline, actually. It's not a quote, it's more of a tagline, anything. I, I don't doubt that. <laughs> no, but um, one thing before we get into resistance, we have to address. Unfortunately, Mark is no longer a part of the podcast. Uh, some things happened over the last week, which uh, combined with some other things that happened with Mark a few months ago. Eventually, it was the straw that broke the camel's back. Uh, Mark unfortunately waded into partisan political waters, which I think needs to be stated that was not with the podcast. I think Mark did a very good job of keeping his politics outside of our uh, weekly discussions, uh, but in his correct. Yes, he was good like that. And uh, but unfortunately, on social media, he would wander into these uh, partisan battles, and it would drag the podcast through it sometimes uh, inadvertently, sometimes more directly. So we wish him the best. Uh, Mark was a pleasure to have on here every week ever since this podcast was started all the way back during the Star Wars junk days. And yeah, it's an unfortunate turn of events, but sometimes you gotta just do what you feel is right. But like that being said, we wish Mark all the best. Uh, we wish may the force be with him. Exactly. And uh, as a follow up, you can also find the new Knights of Vader Twitter at. Oh yeah, I probably should mention that. Good yeah. point, Singer. Oh uh, yeah, the part of this too is the reason why um, Mark was let go was that the at KOV podcast on Twitter was suspended by Twitter. We don't exactly know why. Like obviously, it's associated with uh, the aforementioned reason. But they emailed us, and in the part where it says, you've been suspended, there's no reason. And if anybody's ever tried to contact Twitter support, you might as well just be yelling at a brick wall. Like Zenger said, the new Twitter account is at Knights Vader. We tried getting Knights of Vader, but some guy like in 2015 took that. He hasn't used the account in about two, three years. Maybe one day he'll actually delete his account and we'll be able to get that one. But as of now, if you want to interact with us on Twitter, it is at Knights Vader. Knights spelled the regular way. Vader, basically, it's the name of the podcast without the word of. But yes, Sanger, so that's one thing. So if you did follow the at KOV podcast, please follow at Knights Vader instead. Uh, you'll have our same tweeting nonsense, uh, the Obi-Wan Kenobi gif of a Friday feeling, which is one of my personal favorites. Yeah. And that's pretty much it. Other than that, it's going to be normal business. It's going to be, for the record, it's going to be a lot more Zenger and I. Obviously, we'll sprinkle in some Force Ghost Jim for, for good measure because we know he is the favorite of the podcast. Us normal folks cannot compete with the man with the blue aura, but mm -hmm. we'll try our best. 
Yep, yep. Can you imagine what it's like to be an ace pilot? This is your chance to make that dream come true. You've got something special. I see it. I've got a mission for you. All right. Blend in. Find out who's loyal to the good guys and who isn't. What was that? What was what? The throwing and the falling. Over there. Don't think about it. You can work as a mechanic on my team. But when it comes to your mission as a spy, I don't want anything to do with it. Kasuda, good luck on tomorrow's big race. I don't need luck. Being an ace is not all fun and games. It can be dangerous. Just don't explode. What? Oh! You can't handle the hype! Woohoo! Follow my signal. There are a lot of dangers out there in the galaxy. When people are in need, we help. Line them up! Check this out. It's all in the wrist. It's all in your head. Welcome back to reality. Professionals, you say. I'm an ace pilot. I've battled pirates and marauders. Pirate strategies have been changing. What do you mean? They're better prepared. They have better equipment. I don't know how. General, the First Order is clearly making weapons. We're gonna need all the help we can get. We watched some Star Wars Resistance. As of recording this, there are three episodes out. I've only watched the first two. I've not gotten to the third one yet because I like watching it when they air on television. I am an old man grandpa that way. But I know the kids these days and their streaming services and their apps let them watch these things days, if not weeks, in advance. So with that being said, Zenger, how much of this show have you watched so far? Well, I was told to watch two episodes. What are your overall thoughts on the show? Do you, do you, do you, want, do you want me to rip off this Band-Aid this quickly? Or do you want to you know, save <laughs> a little so. bit? I um, guess I, so. Let's, let's just delve into the deep end. For the second episode, I accidentally fell asleep for about five <laughs> to ten minutes almost and woke back up and realized I still could track where the episode was going, even though I had missed that much of it. So you're saying this show is a... Uh, has nap time built into it? I think it does. I, it's nap time. I, I'm, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying that they were going over the plot so much that I'm like, oh, because I was about to rewind. I'm like, oh wait, it hasn't really changed that much, and I don't think I missed anything important. Yeah, the show. Okay, because I, I, we, we kind of, we weren't. I don't Is it a kid show? Is it not? Um, um, <laughs> well, I, I, I don't think. It, I don't think any of us were thrilled about this when it was like announced or when we first got our first glimpse of it. So I did have a horrifying realization, though, but I'll, I'll get to that later. Oh, wait, we'll, we'll, get, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Because yes. the weird thing with this show is like, you have Star Wars Rebels end, and then I think it was either like, I think what, like a, a week or two before that ended or right after it ended, you hear that they announced, oh, we're doing Star Wars Resistance. And, and it definitely there's a lot of preconceived notions that go with a title like that. It's like, Oh, star Wars rebels, star Wars resistance. We're going to have a very similar show in that way where you have a bunch of characters that are just from different corners of the wind, come together to fight the, the current bad guy of the star, the current bad guys of the star Wars universe. And yet this show doesn't do any of that, at least as of yet, now. Yeah. 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 
Well, I don't even like I said, who knows where this goes uh, by episode 22. But I don't get the vibe this is going to be an overall uh, a bunch of good guys fight the Empire. I don't get that vibe from this show. I don't think it's going to be as uh, Rebels versus Empire centric as Rebels was. Or even as Clone Wars was where you had a very definitive good guy versus bad guy faction fight. I'm not seeing that either. But I think with that being said though, I actually enjoy that. Um, my, my impression on the show, I think Porg Knight asked us in the Facebook group, uh, check out the Knights of Vader Facebook group if you're interested in hearing us uh, ramble on about different things, and some of our listeners who've actually had some pretty profound points in the last few weeks. So you don't just see us point things out. You hear have our fantastic listeners doing it for us as well. They're making us look good. And now but, we uh, get on and steal their ideas and talk about them on here. I mean, what? Porg Knight asked, like, what, what was our opinion of the show? I think I told him, like, it's more or less, it's, it's there. Like, I don't have any super-duper controversial or even heady opinions about this show. I think it's very juvenile, but that's clearly baked into it. I don't think it's, like, an accident, like, oh, when, like, Star Wars, the Clone Wars would be, like, the super serious, people are being impaled and decapitated, and then we'll have, like, a a five-episode story arc with a little frog man and the droids going through the desert. It's, it's, It's more consistent in that sense. It's funny how Clone Wars is, is remembered so fondly now. Yeah, people were just as frustrated with that show as anything else in Star Wars is right now. Um, it's it, I guess those those uh, Star Wars rose tinted glasses. But yep. no, but no. As I was watching this, I wasn't like I know like Zenger said the first uh, the first episode the the hour long one. Uh, the amount of times we hear you're the best pilot in the galaxy, best starfighter pilot. Yes, he is the best pilot around. Better than all of the other racers here. Top pilot in the Western Reaches. Famous in 15 systems. Best pilot in the mid-rim. Well, he's the greatest pilot in the known galaxy. Bolsa. Never heard of him. Much like Zenger said, they are trying to uh, convey the plot of it as many times as they can. So they, again, I guess for kids six years old, they want to hit them over the head with the plot so it's easy to grasp. I don't know all the characters' names on the top of my head, but the char- the green alien with like the silver helmet. Yeah. I've never wanted a Star Wars character. Like, I know people hate Jar Jar. I've never hated Jar Jar. This character is my Jar Jar. I do not like this character. Um, they essentially all this character does. I don't even know their name. Just repeats everything the main character Kaz says. It's also essentially like- a very literal character in the sense that if he's told something, it's very taken very literally. But not yeah. humorously, like, you know, Drax or somebody like that would. No, I think that's definitely where you look at something like Guardians of the Galaxy and realize that getting that type of humor right is much easier said than done. Yep. And, yeah, that character is just, oh, my lord. So I, I know in the second episode they kind of toned down that character, but unfortunately he's the uh, he's the comic relief and he's the sidekick of Kaz, who's who's our main character, who... I don't think he's... I, I like Kaz. I think he's the same that Ezra was when we first saw Ezra in Rebels, where he's just, oh, he's generic, bland hero. He's pretty bland. I guess Ezra at least had the whole, like, Aladdin hair going for him in the first two seasons of Rebels, so there was, like, this, oh, look, it's the Aladdin kid. Where Kaz is just... Again, I don't know. I like his jacket. That's one thing I gotta say about the new era of Star Wars is I love the jackets they're designing for these characters between the uh, Finn Poe jacket, the Olden Ehrenreich solo jacket, the Kaz green jacket. I like that. That's that's something going for it, but that's very minor. 
But yeah, at this point, it's really it's interesting that usually like in a show like this, the first episodes when you're introduced to all the characters and they repeat all the characters' names like a million times to make sure you know who each of them are. And I know they, they, they announce all the characters very early on. I think there's a point where Kaz is deciding who he's going to be racing against. And they have like a scoreboard and they're like, oh, you could be racing against this person or that person or this. And it's like, oh, okay. Yet we don't he doesn't interact with any of those characters except for one. And we only hear their names once. Like I know there's, there's a tie fighter or an ex uh, tie fighter pilot. And there's an ex um, rebel pilot too. Yeah. And you, or at least from their outfit. I mean, we could meet them and they could be totally different and throw us a curveball. But I, I, I think I can safely say no, no, that's not going to happen with this. This show is not going to start throwing curveballs at. I think if any, there's any, I think Star Wars has learned the hard way. Curveballs aren't the way to the fans' heart, even though some people appreciate it. But with this, I don't know. Like I know with that that Tie Fighter pilot, they were promoting him real hard in the lead up to this, and yet we still haven't gotten an episode. And again, this is only keeping in mind the first two episodes. But I'm surprised that we haven't gotten him because I know there's a Rodian. I guess that's one thing we got to give this show credit for is that there's a lot of classic aliens in this. It's not like uh, Resistance, not Resistance. It's not like Force Awakens and Last Jedi, where all it is is the uh, I don't know how to say their names right. Abegnos, the Eloastes, and the Cythrinali. It's not that one like Bless race you. of aliens. Yeah, I know, right? Um, I'm starting to lose track of how to pronounce half these names. That's when you're. That's when you know you're starting to get uh, checked out of Star Wars and you lose track of some of the pronunciations. But no, I definitely like. It's funny, the concept of this show, because I've been thinking about the last few days, is that, okay, you're Dave Filoni, you're a cowboy hat man, and you go to Lucasfilm or however Hold on, let me go get my cowboy hat. Get your cowboy hat, Sanger. All right, it's on. Do do you have your wolf t-shirt, too? Yes. All right, good. He's doing his part, folks. When this show probably was being, I don't know, designed or created, like, it's a really interesting concept. You go say, okay... Star Wars TV show, it takes place on like a giant, for more, uh, for lack of a better word, like oil rig in the middle of like an ocean planet. And it's inhabited by a bunch of racers and different types of mechanics and stuff that bet. And there's a little, like, there's, there's a little micro economy here. And, but it, it's like a trading port. And what people do while they're there is they bet on the races and the shenanigans happen. Like that's an interesting concept for a Star Wars show. Oh, but it's also you, you missed the you missed an important point. It's also full of a ton of um, old rebels, old Imperials, and all this other stuff. But yet they seem to be getting along just fine. Exactly. I, I that's that's definitely no problems uh, here. No upcoming issues that may re- need to be resolved later. As I stare blankly into the camera. But no, I think that's uh, I, but I don't think that's being even hinted at at this point. In the oh, show. Am, am I am I reading too far ahead or thinking too much about this already? Well, I think that's like I don't know. Like something like that would be clever. Yeah, I don't think six year olds are going to appreciate that. I think this is a like this is meant as a jumping off point for new Star Wars fans. This show is not concerned with having oh look there's i don't know insert obscure random character here it's not like solo where you hear val and tobias beckett say oh uh, we should have hired bosk for this job 
like I know at one point I was curious to see maybe I think it was if Bosk was one of the uh, pirates attacking the uh, platform. I thought that it's just I was assuming that the Transocean was Bosk, but I know with the aftermath Empire's End book that Bosk is still doing stuff post Return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. I don't know the show does not other than the uh, Captain Phasma appearance, the Poe appearance. I don't think it's too concerned with tying itself to the rest of the Star Wars universe. Uh, you missed one person there. Or one thing. Well, okay. What other characters are there? There are major. There's BB-8, and I want justice for uh, BB-8, by the way. Oh, what, what justice BB-8? For um, I don't know. I, I, I think that, that he has been enslaved by his human quote-unquote master, and is constantly thrown to the wind at any chance he can do it. Think about it. Poe has chucked that little freaking um, ball to uh, anyone who will take him every opportunity he gets. That's a good point, actually. BBA just kind of well. <laughs> why does he? Why is he so good with Poe? It's like there, there's no reason for him to be. To be honest, well, it's I like can't... every every single chance. It's like no, no, no. You stay here with this kid. No, 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 you, you, you go roll off with them for a while. It'll be fun. Go on. Well, it's interesting at this point that even though BB-8 is Poe's droid, which I don't, I, again, that you have to go into The Force Awakens because Poe was supposed to die at the end of the first act of that film. So who knows where he was supposed to be? Because it's, I think going back to the original, um, uh, I guess the shooting script for Force Awakens, that BB-8 was supposed to be with Rey in Chewbacca on Octo. And it was Ryan Johnson who asked for um, it to be R2-D2 instead. If you know how to read between the lines of The Force Awakens, BB-8 was going to become Ray's droid. Much like how, even though we see R2-D2 with c 3 I'm sorry, we see R2-D2 with Princess Leia at the beginning of A New Hope, it's very clearly Luke's droid by the end of the film, never mind the rest of the, the trilogy. And I think Ryan Johnson changed that. Or at least from where J.J. was planning for it to go. Yeah. But, going, but getting back to Zenger's point, though, yes. There, even though BB-8 is Poe's droid, we see BB-8 pretty much as every other character but Poe. Yet, to be fair, I have not read the Poe Dameron comic, so I have no idea how much interaction he has with, with BB-8 there. First issue, he tosses him to the first person that walks by. <laughs> He's like, here, take this droid. <laughs> He's on a mission. So what you're saying is that Poe's like one of those like pet owners that does like everything they can. Like they takes the cat or the dog and drives it like across town, and it's like, oh, sorry, boy, you have to, you have to go. And the dog eventually just finds its way back to the house, and Poe just goes, oh, damn it. He, had, he has things. like this new super high tech droid that won't like be his unless he doesn't have the other one around. And every time he gets so close, and it's just like, God dang it, he's back. You just can't get rid of this droid for the life. Of yeah. Me. Anyway, getting back to the show, though, yes, BB-8, Poe, and Captain Phasma so far are our biggest ties to the, uh, the, and the films. Well, Leia's in one scene, I think, and that's one thing we got to bring up too, because I'm because I know in the original like press release, Leia was like one of the major names listed, and I think part of that has been scaled back because of the Rachel Butera controversy, which has weirdly disappeared. I think. From like the uh, Star Wars fan radar. Uh, for those of you who don't know, I think I think we we briefly mentioned it a couple weeks ago. Rachel Butera during the uh, uh, Brett Kavanaugh Supreme Court uh, hearing thing, 
uh, posted a video. I don't want to say mocking, but definitely pointing out the way Dr. Ford was speaking. The, the Star Wars podcasting cartel, along with many others in the Star Wars fan content creator community, if that's even what we can call it, really kind of just jumped on her and said, this woman needs to be fired immediately. Boycott resistance. It, it, was, one, it, was, it was Star Wars boycott 341,282. I lose track at this point how much stuff the Star Wars fans are boycotting. Uh, I, I think It's a lot at this point. Unless you're, you're not really a Star Wars fan unless you're boycotting some part of the saga. I know where I start my boycotts off with the Knights of Vader podcast. I'm boycotting yes. right now. Unsubscribe, zero stars. Am, exactly. Definitely unsubscribe, folks. Oh, those guys are jerks. But yeah. so I think part of that is that they're probably scaling down Leia's role in this. I don't know. I, like I already said, there's a, there's not many connections to the the Star Wars films at large in this. So it's kind of like, okay, how much did the lack of these characters were baked into the original idea? Or was it, oh crap, this woman sat there, made made a slightly controversial remark, we got to cut her out because <laughs> the Star Wars, it's like, okay, Star Wars fan base is already a five alarm fire, so how do, how do we make that worse? That's what will be interesting to see how much more Leia we see. I don't know how much more Poe we're going to see. Questions for another day. But I don't know how the rating's turning out for this, because I got a feeling there could be a correlation to when certain people might make appearances. Well, all this, like, with any sort of animation, it's definitely, uh, it's all in the can. Yeah. It, I, I think it depends on, they probably have everything mapped out, it's just a matter of releasing it. Unless, I, maybe they have 12 episodes, depending on how well it is received or not. Maybe they'll scale it back to maybe like 12 episodes. I don't think so. I think with most things Star Wars, once the uh, the train leaves the station, it's it's going to the end of the line, come hell or high water. But looking at, um, I don't know if it's legit or not, but on Wikipedia... They're claiming that the show got uh, 333,000 viewers for the first episode. And then for the second one, it got a little less than half a million. Don't know if that's good or bad, considering the fact that a lot of people are doing the iTunes, the Amazon, uh, streaming it from how many different places. I don't know if these, these numbers are good or bad. Uh, when it comes to Nielsen anymore, I don't know how much you can use Nielsen as a focal point when it comes to like gauging if something's successful. Who knows? It depends on how much of the merchandise. It's funny. There's really no Star Wars resistance product tie-ins. I know. I know Hasbro's making toys that are coming out sometime next spring, but beyond that, I'm surprised there's no Lego sets or anything like that. Usually, Lego's one of the first ones to uh, get their stuff out there. But the, but at the same time, though, I think this is also a very juvenile show and but it's weird it's a juvenile show but it's not showing up on like other disney like disney junior which is like something like where the new muppet babies is i don't know it's weird juvenile show but they're clearly trying to position it in a space for older kids weird. i can see that yeah like i i don't know i i don't have children i try to put my my head inside these executives how they think I wish I had a better understanding of it sometimes because I remember back when this was all being discussed, I was like, I think Mark and I had a discussion. It was like, oh, uh, it says Disney Channel, not Disney XD. And I'm like, well, it's going to end up on Disney XD eventually. And it hasn't, oddly enough. I don't know why Star Wars Rebels was kicked to the curb, which is Disney XD, yet this show is being put on the Disney Channel, considering that most of what Disney Channel's fodder is sitcoms that are targeted toward tween and teenage girls. I told you why already. It's because they have to 
let, I mean, they have to take Filoni's stuff and cancel it. Well, that's the interesting thing. I, I, at this point, and I know it's way too early to judge it, I can't see this getting a second season unless it's just the bar is so low for success on this. Or if it just goes just ridiculously crazy later and gets a lot better. I don't. I don't think it's going to be a. I don't think this is going to be a show like Rebels. Okay, I I got an important question real quick. Okay, does this feel like a Star Wars show to you? Yes or no? If you change the animation, or you, uh, yeah, okay, I'm going to say yes. It feels like a Star Wars show. It does at its core. I can definitely taste the core flavors of Star Wars here. The problem though is kind of like a tootsie tootsie pop, and you got to lick a lot before you get to that creamy nougaty center. Because, like I already said, you have the, the green alien character that just constantly repeats things, which is a trope of kiddie shows. You have plot points where our main character will have to go to the parts, the parts manager, which are really two cool-looking little aliens. That Those really are like. they, they, They're actually really cool. They're really cool. Like, like, that's the kind of stuff that feels Star Wars here. That's the kind of stuff I want from Star Wars movies, video games. That's the stuff I want at large. It's, it's, it's weird how something like that's getting relegated to uh, a show designed for six-year-olds. That sort of stuff works. The stuff that's annoying, which was like kind of like in the second episode, where Kaz goes to the tries to make his way to get parts at the mechanic, or I guess the parts owners. He gets stopped by the little blue... Uh, I, it's funny, it's, it's, a, it's an alien from the Phantom Menace. Don't know their names. And he gets stopped because he owes them money. And yet, oh, I'll pay you back. Here's my trophy. Oh, don't take my trophy. That, that's worth a lot to me. And, and then, like, they get trapped outside during a pirate's attack. And it's like, oh, he's got to sacrifice his trophy in order to save the guy who was trying to beat him up for money. And, and it's like, oh, God, this is such, like, regurgitated kitty show fodder. It's like it's like I I don't expect them to reinvent the wheel with every Star Wars TV show, but come you know, on, I don't man. either. But it, it uh, I don't even know if my kids would even sit through a show, an episode. That's that's what I mean, though. So like, this is a show that's meant as a jumping off point for kids to get involved with Star Wars without any of the baggage of the films. Yet I like of all the other options kids have to watch today, much like Zenger was saying, I can't imagine them watching it. I, I really can't. It's just, it's, and plus, I think the animation, even though it's unique to both kiddie shows and Star Wars, like, I, I think I mentioned it in a few episodes ago that this is the same animation house that did Tron Uprising. And I loved Tron Uprising. Tron Uprising is a very tragic case of what happens when Disney just gives up on something about five minutes after it leads the gate. But, I love Tron. I never, like, my, my head never hurt watching Tron Uprising. Yet the animation in this, I don't know whether my brain just can't handle it, but my, I literally have a headache after I watch this show. Is I it because maybe the why. refresh rate isn't catching right or something like that? I don't, maybe. I don't know. I've always been sensitive when it comes to things like video games. I know if I play certain video games, I think a problem with this is that this show does not look like animation. It looks like a cutscene in a PS1 game. Or, okay, that's not fair. A cutscene in a PS2 game. Okay, I will allow it. All right, thank you, sir. You're, you're, you're my gaming guru, so I have to pass all my gaming references through you. It but passes. No. Hold on, thank wait, you. wait, wait, I got it. It passes. Yes, Judge Zanger. We, we haven't had Judge Zanger in a while. We'll have to bring him back for the end of this show. But 
but no, I'm thinking maybe that's why my I, I know I used to play games like during like the Nintendo 64 era and like the GameCube era. I used to like I used to get headaches from like some of the cutscenes because it just how like the things look. This they moved peculiar, uh, weirdly to my brain. And my brain's like, nope, I'm not having any of this. And I have to like turn it off until like uh, my brain. Yeah, see, this show hurt my brain, folks. But I'm still watching it for you. I'm watching it for you, Pork Knight. When I lay in bed with a migraine, I'm doing this for you. And on no. a side note, when I'm watching it, I take a nap halfway through, wake <laughs> up, and be like, well, didn't miss much. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a sad thing, too. Not much goes on with this show. But no, I, I, I think that's what it is. I think the animation's wonky. And I think that's going to be jarring for a lot of kids because I, I, I think I've complained. I don't think I've done it here. Maybe done it on Cinemodies, but... I complain about like Thomas, like the new Thomas the Tank Engine versus like the one I grew up with, where they actually had like the physical like trains on the track. And I complain like, oh, it's the homogenization of Thomas. Yeah, like kids can watch that, and it looks like everything else on TV. Like if you like, you can have, in all honesty have a Thomas the Tank Engine, or I guess I guess Thomas and Friends is what it's called now. You have a Thomas and Friends crossover with like PJ Masks, mm-hmm. and it, it would look this like you you would not be jarring at all. Like they all, like they, they they all look the same more or less. Like how they're designed, how uh, people move. Well, not Thomas. I know, like, but there are human characters in Thomas, like Sir Topham Hat. But with this show, it'd be really weird to ever. Let's just say, for example, Hera shows up at some point, or Agent Callus shows up. It would look really weird to have those characters brought into this world. Whereas we would like when Captain Rex and Ahsoka were brought into Rebels, obviously the animation styles were very deliberately done to be consistent and for uh, financial reasons. But I think that's another issue of the show is that the show looks really cheap, even though it's. I think what they're trying to do is that they're kind of uh, uh, trying to like smear like the the animation equivalent of Vaseline on the camera lens. We're like, oh no, this show is not cheap. It has a very unique animation style. And you look at the budget, and it's like, oh, wait, this show costs like a fraction of what Clone Wars and Rebels did. And I think that's very clear. It's like they're trying to... They're trying you don't to, have to pay uh, the voice actors, because we haven't recorded one line. They just repeat it constantly. <laughs> bingo. Bingo, bingo, bingo. So, yeah. Uh, anything else, Anger, for this show? Because I feel like... I don't want anyone to think that I'm taking like uh, cheap shots oh, of this no, show. Here, here's the thing. I'll still watch it. I'm just... It, it is something to where I feel like I will be, it's not like, oh, crap, I need to see what happened in this. It's kind of like, I'll watch it. It's something that's on. Yeah, because I, I cannot fathom binge-watching this show. Actually, you know what the ultimate test is? Having one of my kids watch it, particularly Quinn, and seeing if she goes, oh, Star Wars. Like, not showing her the beginning, just turning it on. Midway through, because she will pick out like any Star Wars thing almost instantly. I think that's a clever idea, but the only gimme, and I think that would be kind of the show's ace in the hole, which is designed, would be BB-8. She would recognize BB-8 in an instant, right? Possibly, but she's only. We, I mean, she knows the older stuff a lot more. Oh, not in, not. It's not an intentional thing. It's just we've watched the older stuff a little bit more than the newer stuff. Hashtag not my sequel trilogy. No, it's just there's only like technically two movies versus the X number of others. See, folks, he's trying to hide his sequel trilogy hatred right now. Don't don't uh, get away with it. I I am. You you caught me. You caught me. No, so but I mean, 
that that would be the ultimate test. And as to answer my own question, I asked you about does this feel like a Star Wars show? I'm going to say no. I'm going to say it doesn't at the moment. Like if you just take out BB-8, I just walked in, and sat down, I'd be like, "What the heck's this show? It's about racers or something?" Yeah. Okay. Well, that's that's the interesting dilemma with this show and me is that forever I've always been saying that with any sort of Star Wars in the Disney era, they shouldn't be regurgitating st- uh, plot lines or narratives from years past. They should be letting the iconography do the nostalgic heavy lifting. And that's what this show does more or less. Because I do really like the concept of this show. I love the idea of having just, again, the, uh, the platform in the middle of the ocean. You have a bunch of racers. And one thing I didn't even know, and this is in the second episode, which I thought was really nifty, was that when the, the there's pirates that attack this platform, because there is so much going on here between uh, money changing hands and just inventory that's there plus just travelers uh, making a pit stop that the the racers on top of just being uh people who sit there uh, are the fodder for gambling actually their their fighter or i guess their their ships are actually fighters and they defend the platform when pirates attack i really like that i think that's a really clever thing to do because that's again there's certain elements of star wars and i know i'm one of the very few people who likes my star wars uh, new with new characters creatures stories uh, and whatnot but i think there's certain elements that you're never going to be able to escape because again star wars is essentially the wild wild west you got pirates you have law and order out to a certain degree and you have a bunch of rebels who are the good guys but i really like the idea of what this show is going for i just think the execution even for a show aimed for six years six-year-olds could be monumentally better like it, I, not to belittle it again, though, but if I were Dave Filoni after Clone Wars and then Rebels, I'd be a little embarrassed to put my name on this as the creator of it. Like, producer is one thing. Like, producer, obviously, he's just giving his input on it, though. But to say that, uh, or even if it's not true, but to have it on the, uh, the title card that this is his brainchild, I, I'd be a little, I, I'd be genuinely embarrassed. I disagree with you on that one. Yeah, because I, so Sanger, do you okay? If you strip away the the kitty show plot devices, do you like the idea of what this show is going for? In the sense, you have a bunch of races I, on oil rig. I want to see where it goes because I am vaguely curious about that. Because I'm like, I got this feeling that I'm going to be eating my words later. Because this 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 could have something. There could be something here that I'm just oblivious to right now mm. but then come later it could be like oh man this this show where he turned it around it just needed those first few episodes to get jogging and then once it got there it kept it just ran right past everything else well that's what i'm hoping for but i remember that happened with rebels i mean when rebels yeah. started four years oh no ago. Re- rebels is another one that i'm just like meh and then now i'm like you know what i'm bored with it like i got on board with it as time went on it just wasn't something i was interested in to begin with though well but i was kind of a little bit different on that when rebels first started i was really apathetic toward it i was just like like it was kind of like i'll watch it i'll I'll dvr it but it's not a priority and i really did not like season one really did not like it 
And then over the the summer of 2015, they did a lot of the stuff like I, I know I, they they must have had a feeling that season one didn't go over well because during that summer they released the the one hour season two premiere, which was the Siege of Lethal, where Vader showed up and Vader kind of hands Kanan and Ezra their butts, and that was one of those things like whoa. I remember when I used to watch uh, whatever it was uh, AMC Jedi Council back when it was still AMC. I remember what's his name the uh, the, the 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 two big mouse. We're like, this is just gonna blow you away, and I was, I was, I was genuinely, I was like, okay, this is cool. Like, they're definitely getting their footing now. And in, in the last, I think I bought season one of Rebels on Blu-ray like a, like a year or so ago. I, it was my first time rewatching it since it aired during the fall of 2014, and I, I, I was shocked. Again, the animation was a little weird. Like, I think I've mentioned the Wookies in that first episode were really just the animation was horrible. But as I rewatched season one, season one was legitimately good and solid with this again i think the plot is there the the narrative is there i think the animation and just the kitty show plot devices that are being plugged into it because clone wars never did that and rebels never did that it never felt it had to pander the children this is very clearly pandering the children the 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 test zenger brought up with his daughter would be the most interesting one. You give you give her this. And how old is Quinn? Quinn is three and a half. All right, so she's she's a little she's still a little young for that. I I I, I didn't think about the half part. <laughs> oh man! First he didn't buy his kids iPad Pros, and then now he can't remember the fact whether they're a quarter year old, half year old. Jeez, you you are God, a father of the year trophies in the distance, isn't it? Yeah, so I can I can almost touch it. The iPad joke is a callback to like how many God that was like how many months ago? I yeah, that was what, what wasn't that me talking about them having um, the Amazon tablets? It was something like we were talking about like what kids buy these days or something. And Zenger's like, my kids have tablets. I'm like, what kind are they? He's like, like Amazon. The Amazon ones. Amazon ones. And I'm like, Zenger, your kids need an iPad Pro. He's like, my daughter has one of my daughters has an iPad. I'm like, is it an iPad Pro? He's like, no, no, it's just a regular one. It's like, well, Zenger, you are not father of the year this year. Nope. Oh, God. But no, all kidding aside, uh, Zenger is a great father. 10 out of 10 stars, subscribe. <laughs> but anyway, though, so, yeah, like, I think that's an interesting point Zenger brought up. It's like, is Resistance a Star Wars show? Now, are you ready for the double-edged sword? All right, I'm ready How for I it. cut so swiftly with that strike of, of, um... Of the Star Wars, you know, this this isn't, you know, this isn't going to be something that my daughter's going to be like, oh, Star Wars, without seeing, like, the title cards and stuff. The double-edged sword of that is this is the exact thing I've been claiming I want to have. I want to have something existing in the Star Wars universe that doesn't have to rely on everything in the Star Wars universe. And that's kind of almost exactly what this is, and I'm sitting here going, I don't like it. But I don't think that's because you're rejecting the storyline, though. I think what we're rejecting the is way, the pack. You haven't even talked about the storyline either. There is no storyline. It's it's, it's no, stuff he, happens. He's there. He's supposed to be a um a spy. He's supposed to be finding the spy, and he's supposed to be doing all this stuff. Yeah, right. I, mean, I think that I think that I, I I know I fell asleep, but I'm pretty sure that's why the the one guy's there. Is he's supposed to be like, hey. You know, be out here. Find out who's you know telling info to the to the um, to the first order, and you know, figure this out. 
I'm Poe Dameron, and I'm going to leave now. Take this ball. Take this orange soccer ball that just won't leave me alone. Also, I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the the um, the still sound of it sounding like a bouncing ball whenever they kick it around. Yeah, it's funny how that's consistent in all different, uh, whether that be a Force Awakens, Last Jedi, this. Yep. That's, that's interesting. That's another weird thing about this show. This is a show designed for six-year-olds, yet how many six-year-olds or shows de- uh, designed for six-year-olds have plots that take place over 22 episodes? Like, Don't that's... worry, they're going to take every episode to remind you that he's doing the spy thing. Well, I, yes, I, I know. Yes. you every episode will have a mention of it. Well, yeah, but again, yes, they're going to hit us over the head with it. But that's, like, think about it. When you watch, I know I keep bringing it back to Muppet Babies, but you watch that or, like, PJ Masks or any show that anybody's listening grew up with. Like, think about it. Scooby-Doo never had a, a, a season-long of arc. It was every week the Mystery, uh, the mystery Inc. gang goes and get, uh, confronts a criminal that's trying to spook a location or to haunt a location. Like, that's weird for a kid's show to be doing something like this. Like that's that's the we- this show is very uh, it doesn't know what its audience is or what audience it's going after because again it's very kitty um, it's very it panders very hard to a, a adolescent audience though but it has a lot of hallmarks of a adult TV series or something targeted more toward adults and I think much like how Xander talked about the double edged sword about um, He's always won something, something non-Star Wars in the Star Wars universe. And this is kind of like what I was hinting at earlier, though. But this is. This show, the concept is there. Like, again, having the, the water platform with a bunch of racers, and that's just a, a setting for all sorts of Star Wars shenanigans that can happen. That's great as a TV show. I would, I, like I said, I love that I, as an idea. I just think the execution of making that show for six-year-olds is very misguided. Like, again, think about it. Pixar makes movies that anybody can watch. Again, you can bring you can bring a four-year-old to Incredibles 2 or an 88-year-old, and they all can appreciate it. Like, in this thing where we make entertainment solely for uh, ages 6 to 10 is, is very misguided. Or, I guess, things like Pixar and Disney animation have uh, convinced us or conditioned us to, to a point where... That's not the norm anymore. Like, yes, yeah, like, like if I turned on PJ Masks, I uh, that show is clearly not for me. But Star Wars, they have to know that when you slap the Star Wars brand on something, it's meant for all ages. The same way with Pixar. Pixar's made for all ages. Yet there's no Pixar TV series. Like when they when they did the um, if there's any Toy Story fans in the audience, when they did the the TV specials after Toy Story three, I think there's maybe three or four of them. Like there's like the land, there's like the land or the, to, the 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 land that time forgot, or the uh, Toy Story Halloween uh, spooktacular, or whatever it is. You can I remember watching those, and I appreciate them because they're cute little stories, little vignettes in the Toy Story universe, and they're neat. I never felt like, oh, I am a man baby watching this because I can't grow up emotionally. That's what's so misguided about this. And I think this goes back to like what Jim and I have, uh, it's kind of the hallmark of Force Ghost Jim's conversations lately on the podcast, is that Disney is trying to go after a young audience, yet they don't know how to do it. Nope. 
And that's so weird for a, a multi-billion dollar multinational corporation. To, that, that's, if there ever was a company that knew how to do all ages entertainment, yet they can't figure it out for Star Wars. Yeah, uh, and also on the PJ Masks thing, um, my daughters love watching that, and I mean, I'll, I'll have it on. And it's funny because Ellie was sitting there one time, and she goes, "So how do they get their powers and everything?" I'm like, "Never been explained." And she goes, "Are you sure?" And I'm like, "Not to the best of my knowledge, nope." Within the show, you tell me one of them wasn't bit by a radio- radioactive spider. No, it, it's it's one of those things. I'm like, you're you're thinking about this way too much. Kids don't care. Kids legitimately don't care. They, they put on their PJs and their heroes. That's another thing with this show that's so weird, but that, you just brought that up. Is that, think about it, the whole, like, what, first 20 minutes of that first episode is explaining why he's on this, on this platform. You need it's to like, find a spy. <laughs> See, there's your, that's what your quote should have been about the spy. We that's, need to be a spy for the resistance. That's the next time we do this, if there isn't anything else that just beats you over the head with it. But I, I don't like, okay, that, I guess... The next question is, I think a couple of weeks ago I asked our audience if they wanted us to talk about this on a regular basis. And, I, and the only person that's actually brought it up was Porg Knight. And I think he just wanted our, our overall opinion of it. I guess nobody wants to talk about this. And I really, I, beyond, beyond what we've already discussed, but I don't know how we could talk about this every, I'm not, not obviously wouldn't devote an hour every week to this show, but like even for like five minutes, other than just like recapping the plot, what could you discuss about this show? I can see us discussing this like once it's over with to have like a recap back to be like, were we right? Were we wrong about yeah. it sort of thing? But outside of that, I'm like, I don't know. Unless there's something drastic that there, there's a turnabout. But mm, I said, I'm going to keep my finger on the pulse of this thing. But um, I actually, I'm not going to keep my finger on the pulse. I'm going to kind of check it every now and then run over and be like, yeah, it's still alive. Never run away. <laughs> when when Rebels came out, there like so many podcasts and stuff would devote so many minutes and hours to discussing Rebels every week because th- a lot did happen in Rebels, whether it was explicit or implicit. It was there to be uh, to be sifted through. Yet with this, I cannot imagine anybody creating a podcast called a uh, Resistance Chat or something like that where every week they spend a half an hour, an hour dissecting Star Wars Resistance. I'm not doubting that there's probably a few Star Wars podcasts that are uh, pre-established that are doing that, much like how we are, but I cannot imagine delving into this for an hour every week. There's just not enough there. Unless you really just start padding it and being like, oh, this week we saw this alien. And then this week, Kaz didn't get the right part. And then this week, the green alien creature repeated the same line of dialogue 15 times instead of 12. Starfighter pilot. <laughs> that character is so annoying. A couple days ago, there was an article on io9 that was tweeted from their accounting like, this ep- the latest episode of Star Wars Resist- Resistance will change the way you look at Star Wars forever. And I hadn't watched the second episode yet. I'm like, oh my god, I'm like, what happened here? And I think the, the picture in the article was the, uh, the Captain Phasma from Resistance. I'm like, oh, what's going on here? So I watched the episode, and I'm like, did, did, did I miss something? Like, was there something in this that like that didn't get taped properly? And so this afternoon, I went back and read the article, and the the only point that was to this thing where it's going to rock your your understanding of the Star Wars universe was one line of dialogue where 
Jaeger, who's supposed to be Kaz's mentor, says some line of dialogue, I'm paraphrasing here, like, oh, the people here aren't concerned with the resistance versus first order conflict. Okay, there there is something interesting in that. I, I will give it that that we might see, you know, what the resistance is and stuff like that, because there's always been this question of why they call it the resistance. And I think because and I'm I'm uh, the the EU is something I'm not um fully on sometimes, so my my finger may be a little bit away from the pulse on that, but I just feel like the resistance was created to answer the first order because the government like couldn't do anything about it. The space government maybe didn't form its own army because they're like, well, the last time that happened, we got the empire. Well, they've, they've gone into that a little bit in the comics and in the books. I know in the Leia bloodline bloodlines, I don't know if that's plural. Book they get into that because what it is is that Mon Mothma, I think it's even mentioned in the solo last shot book, that Mon Mothma goes out of her way to demilitarize the New Republic. And I know a couple lines of dialogue in last shots, Han isn't happy with that, Lando isn't happy with that, Leia isn't is clearly not happy with that. And the whole point of the resistance, and, and like Zanger said, it has not been fleshed out entirely. Because I don't think anybody I don't think I think they deliberately don't want it fleshed out, just because they don't want to paint themselves into a corner. But from what my understanding is, is that the First Order's off doing things. The New Republic knows they're doing things, but obviously they don't know there's a Starkiller base. But they know, that, they know that the old factions of the Empire are doing something. And they say, okay, this is, a, this is going to be a, again, this is my understanding, this is going to be a problem for us one day. But we don't want to take care of it. The New Republic knows this is an issue, because again, Hux makes the comment in the force awakens that they, they are being funded by the the new republic and i think because it because there is a it, it's interesting that we've never been told what happens to mon mothma between the events of the aftermath she's trilogy there. no she's, she's just not. sitting there well yeah she's still sitting there she's sitting there somewhere yeah i i don't know she's got a big chair very big chair I don't know, considering that they have, a, I think the actress's name is Genevieve O'Reilly, who did uh, Mon Mothma and Revenge of the Sith in Rogue One. And considering that they offed Akbar, there's a very strong chance. And I don't think she's been killed off in the canon yet. I'm not entirely sure, but I don't think they've killed her off. There's a very real chance she could, show up, she could show up episode nine, apply some old age makeup to her. Why not? She'd be, she'd be really old by the time. Think about it. She was 25, 30-ish by Revenge of the Sith. So she'd be, for, well, I don't mean old in, in our world, I mean old for Star Wars, considering the fact that Obi-Wan looks like an 80-year-old man, and he's only supposed to be like in his late 40s, early 50s. Oh, but, no, there, there's an explanation for that. Tatooine son. Yeah, yeah, Tatooine son ages, yeah. That's you age one, gracefully. That's another one of those weird, like, George world. Lucas, like, uh, <laughs> that's another one of those weird George Lucas things where it's like 30, 40 years before the uh, the events of the oh. of A New Hope. And it's like, oh, so wouldn't that make like Obi Wan like forty nine by the events of uh, of uh, the New Hope? Well, uh, it's the sun. The sun dries out his skin. He doesn't have any moisturizer on this planet. That's why farming moisture evaporators is so lucrative. <laughs> it's not for the water, folks. It's for that uh, a moisturizer for your skin. Yep, yep. Oh dear. So yeah, but going back to the rebels thing, though, the the resistance versus the first order conflict. I, I think that's another thing that none of the movies of the sequel trilogy have done, and that includes The Last Jedi. Take they that. They haven't really fleshed out 
like the conflict. And I know a lot of that uh, stems back to like a New Hope, where it's like, well, we didn't know the the size of the rebellion versus the Empire when a New Hope came out in seventy seven. And I'm like, yeah, but Star Wars evolved thirty something years since then. So you do have to give a little bit more context going into this. Like we don't like it's funny we, we've been fighting against the First Order for the last two movies. Yet, like the First Order is just they're bad guys. Oh my just, god! No, are they bad guys though? Are they? Well, they blew up. A, they blew up like five planets, and they killed probably at least I don't know twenty billion people. Yeah, but we're hearing all this from the from the so-called good guy side. So what you're saying is Starkiller Base blowing up those planets is fake news. I'm not not saying it. <laughs> Bingo. Zenger hit the nail on the head. I've but done it. He done it, folks. But I think that's the weird thing, though, is that like we've never seen the the first order be oppressive to planets before. Like think about it. we we see the Empire in a new hope on Tatooine as they're marching through the spaceport on Mos Eisley. We see them doing things like that, where we see them having random checks of people in the Mos Eisley, what is that, town? Spaceport. And we see them stopping random people. We never get, we still haven't got that. And again, I can't speak for the comics, but we've never gotten that with the First Order. We've never seen them be oppressive to the everyman. Yes, they anything. The they were trying to help people by being like, "Hey, find these people who are villains. I mean, who are against us, and we'll pay you money." But I think that's an interesting point you bring up because if you go back to the very tail end of the second episode of Resistance, and the pirates are talking to the uh, the Crimson First Order Tie Fighter pilot and Captain Phasma, they say something along the lines of Phasma. When we're through with the platform, they'll be begging for you to get involved. So what the and this has also been hinted at in books and stuff with the first order. It's protection. Yes, if the first that's order's that, in charge of your area. Then they'll protect you from these pirates and stuff. Exactly, and that's actually brought up a little bit in the Phasma book, where the Cardinal character is like, "My planet was a so and so junk heap, and it wasn't until the first order came along they brought stability." to my world. And if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be in this position of power. So I think that's the angle they're taking with the First Order in this, is that the First Order is going to show up and be, ironically, the heroes for the platform, which has a name, I just, it just keeps eluding me. I think that's what they're going to go for, and I think that, and so you're, I think, I think there'll be a point where Kaz interacts with the Red Crimson TIE Fighter pilot. He's probably going to interact with Phasma, I think it's uh, undeniable that Kylo Ren's going to show up at some point. Ooh, wait, is this too early for him, though? Nah, this this must be, what, six months before The Force Awakens? I don't know. That Starkiller base looked like it needed some work. Did it really? I thought it was pretty much... Yeah, it had a skeleton out on the side of it. Oh, did it? Yeah. All right, I got to go back and rewatch that. I don't know. I, I, I think... I wouldn't be surprised. I always, it's funny. When, when Rogue One was coming out, I was convinced that the season three, I guess, um, winter break, where they, where they would break the season up, I was convinced it was going to be the Rebels crew that actually arrested Jyn Erso. So I have been wrong on this before. But I wouldn't be surprised if the season one finale of Resistance is it's Kaz who tells 
Poe Dameron about Kylo Ren. He's the one that informs him about who Kylo Ren is. Because Kylo Ren, let's just say Kylo Ren does something on the platform, and that will be the uh, the message to, or, or maybe think about it. It could the the end of Resistance could be Poe flies to the platform in the blue X-wing that he's seen in seen flying, or I guess uh, shooting stormtroopers down in the. Actually, now that I now that I think about that, not to get off track for a second, we do see the First Order being oppressive to every people. And I guess the the Jakku village. Yeah, but they covered that up. Well, the thing about those that the First Order just isn't going after those people for any arbitrary reason. They're going after them because they've been directed there as a military mission. But that's that. But still, at least we've seen them be kind of oppressive. But it's not to the people. Well, only kind of. Yeah, and plus, all those people are wiped out, so no one's ever going to know about them again. It's just a, a tribe that gets wiped out. But anyway, though, I happens all the time. When it comes to the. End of resistance. I wouldn't. I mean, let's just say it is one. Let's say this is, is just a one-off, which has been rumored. which they meant to do. That's what they meant. Yes, it's not like a, we, we. It's like a solo where it's like, well, there goes that. No more. We signed all in Aaron Reich to like a seventeen-picture deal. Unfortunately, we will never take advantage of those sixteen other pictures. And we'll pay him tons of money because he had a good lawyer or agent. Yeah, that too. Whatever. His, but, his lawyer is his agent. Uh, so I think the end of resistance could be something like we see Poe fly onto the platform right after Kylo Ren leaves and we see him in the blue X-Wing, the one that we see on Jakku being the force awakens and he retrieves BB-8 and he tells the kid, Hey kid, good job telling you about the first order. I'm going to let you know a little secret. I'm heading to Jakku right now. And Caspic, but but Poe, that's where Kylo Ren is headed. But Poe, how am I supposed to be the best pilot in the galaxy? Well, <laughs> oh god, that's gonna be a running joke on this podcast now. Best starfighter pilot. It will be. Oh god, this this like I, said, I think the biggest thing with this show is that I think it's annoying. I think that's this show's ultimate detriment. Is that it's genuinely annoying unless you're just wholeheartedly drinking the Kool-Aid with it. Now watch, we watch episode three and it's like, it does away with all this stuff that we're complaining about. It's the perfect show and we look like a-holes again. I, I don't think so. I think the things that we, it's not like the things we don't like about this are like, uh, just like superficial problems like oh we just don't like this one character as long as this one character doesn't get the spotlight we'll be fine i think the things that we have issues with are kind of baked into it it's kind of like it's like you think what you have like let's say you're baking a cake and you accidentally inadvertently spilled a little bit of extra salt into it once the cake is baked you can't just pull the salt it's kind of like let's say you, you put the wrong frosting on a cake instead of putting chocolate you put strawberry like you put a little bit, you, you kind of scrape the strawberry frosting off a cake and put vanilla or chocolate on it. You can't scrape something off that's intrinsically tied to it. And I think that's the problem with this show. Yeah. And I think, again, I, I, I don't know. I think, again, we've discussed it many times now. We are in a transition point with Star Wars. And I think this is going to be, I, I joked with Pork Knight on the, uh, the, the new Twitter account, at Knight's Vader, where he's like, oh, they're just throwing the spaghetti against the wall and seeing what sticks. And I said, I said, yeah, that's a great strategy, except when these individual strands of spaghetti cost $200 million a piece. That's expensive spaghetti. 
It is. It's it's a very ex- expensive strategy for a multi-billion dollar franchise. Like, I don't know. I, I, there's this rumor going around. We'll discuss it maybe next week when we finally get into The Mandalorian. If, unless something happens. I don't know. I, I, I still feel we, I'm waiting for a little bit more information on The Mandalorian before we d- really get into that. Because I don't want it to be half-baked. Or just us being like, well, it's a guy in a Boba Fett costume. Neat. There's more to it than that. We hope there's more to it. I know there is. But fingers crossed. It, it can't be any any uh, uh, more annoying than this show is. So, I don't know. I hope like, we don't have any fans of that show listening. Of Resistance? Yeah. Okay, okay. I want you at home right now, everybody listening to this. I want you to lean in for a second. I got something I have to ask you. I don't want to get out there, so you got to keep it to yourselves. Don't share with anyone else. Raise your hand if you like Resistance. I won't tell anybody. It'd be our little secret. I think I saw like one guy's hand go up like halfway and then it shot back down. Oh no! Oh man, no one else is raising their hand. <laughs> no, I, I, again, I don't. I, I think we've made it clear at this point that we we're not trying to be disparaging to this show. Clearly, it's not designed for guy or anybody over the age of I'd say eighteen. I, it's not designed for us. And I'll find out if it's appropriate for kids under the age of six. Yes, Zanger's gonna uh, torture his children and yes. make them watch this show. I'm gonna see if she goes. Oh, it's a Star Wars. That, that, that's going to be the canary in the coal mine, right? It is. Though it's going to be tough because I'm like, they show, I can't show her anything that actually says Star Wars because she, she knows that word. If she sees that word, the font, everything, she's like Star Wars. <sighs> it's going to be interesting. Like, like I said, I, I think this show is going to be one of the many things that we, that we get in 2019. This is kind of, I guess, like the appetizer for, for the Star Wars. This will be the show that doesn't get canceled. This will be the one that has a full, perfect run. And nothing happens to it. <laughs> I, I guess because they don't take it seriously. I guess that's another thing. Too. I think it's also like you gotta keep in mind a lot of this stuff too. Like we talk about the stories and the characters and the narrative, but we have to keep in mind too that I think this show is really cheap to produce. Yeah, I think like I said, it, it looks like a PS2 cut cutscene, and that's not again. I'm not trying to take shots, but like. In today's day and age, again, I would say, even though it's a very unique style of animation, this is one of those few instances where I actually would have preferred that it looked like, again, a PJ Masks or another kitty show of that caliber. I think something like that would just make it even a little bit more accessible. I, again, I don't know why they went with this the way they did. Because some of the characters are jarring to look at. Some of them look really cool in this animation style. Like we already discussed the two like owners of the, the parts center mm-hmm. they're look really cool yeah the droids always look cool but like like again the little green alien his face just looks like again it, it looks is, like, is his face like is it part of the helmet is it not i don't know i'm confused answer my question exactly it kind of felt like uh jason goes to hell where like jason's like skin is like growing over the mask yeah it's is it like, something to where it's like this frill thing where if he takes the mask off it's just frills and it just happens to be perfectly aligned I, I don't know I'm, I'm so confused see these are the hard-hitting questions we ask on nights of air that no other star wars pat- podcast does dares to dares to i say dares to so yeah that's 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 kind of it i have on star wars resistance do you have anything else Zenger, on this nope i think i covered most of the stuff i wanted to point out and say yeah it's uh so so judge zanger 
What is the final nope. ruling on, or the preliminary ruling on Star Wars Resistance? Um, I'm gonna go with a hard watch it. If you're on board, keep watching it. If you're not, I don't think there's anything yet that will get you on board. Also, I'm gonna call it now. They're gonna turn Phasma into a bumbling idiot like they did Grievous. Because think about uh, it. She has to be incompetent because you can't have her going around killing everybody. I'm going to uh, I'm going to agree with you that, yes, you're going to have incompetent villains again. You have to. But I'm going to say they're going to keep her. They're going to treat Phasma very similarly to they did with, like, Vader or the Emperor. I think she's going to be used very sparingly. Like, I'm sorry, Vader and the Emperor and Rebels. They're going to use her very sparingly. And the Crimson TIE Fighter pilot is going to be the one that's going to be our it's going to be our Inquisitor or our Thrawn or what was it, the Governor Price of this series. I think that character is going to be really the main one that we see interact with our, our heroes. But what, what, what if the annoying guy is actually the... Um... Spy? Yeah. If that's the case, I take every bad thing I said about this show back. He, he he just he just talks normally and is like I had you fooled the whole time. You're like what what what? That that weirdly enough, if they did that, if they really did a bait and switch like that with that character, and they said like oh my my stupidity act was part of me being uh, deceptive. Yeah. You know what? So you definitely get some brownie points in my book. And then Jar Jar like, walks in and goes, yes, my young apprentice, you have done well. Yes. And, and everyone's like, oh, Darth Jar Jar's real. Lord Jar Jar. Lord oh. of the Sith Jar Jar. My bad. My bad, people. Oh, boy. Speaking of Lord Jar Jar, I recently bought a Jar Jar Binks necktie off eBay. So I'm quite proud of myself right now. Where, where are the job interviews? They'll fire you. <laughs> and I guess I said, I, I said – fire you because they'll hire you just be like dude you won't believe who i just fired <laughs> oh man quick uh quickest job tenure ever but yes man yes folks. i, I, I wanted got my... to be the person who fired your ass <laughs> <laughs> so i walk into the job interview and it's like oh man where'd you get that horrible tie is there a homeless person that you just mugged out before you came in here Someone uh, check and see if a homeless person's okay outside. <laughs> Someone stole his tie. <laughs> oh, dear. But yeah, so, no, that's real, folks. I actually bought a Jar Jar Binks tie. I, I couldn't say no for the price. I'm like, huh, best $7 I've ever spent. I, uh, think of what I, I could think of $8 you could have spent better. On Star Wars Resistance toys? Is there a toy market for this? I know that that's a dumb question to, to say well, aloud. They're, they're making toys, so like, I guess they're betting on it. That's a thing to. That's a that's a thing. It's kind of it, it's a fait accompli. It's like okay, wh- which is there first, the toy market that will actually buy these things, or just the fact that you once you put it out, like again, there are Star Wars completionists out there that even though that they hate this show, they just have to buy it so they can say they have it in their collection. There is, like the Star Wars Rebels toys, never really sold that well. Like I know to this day, if you hit like the, like a, a Ross. Or a TJ Maxx, you can find like the Ezra it's and Speeder. What's that? It's a gold mine. Yeah, I know. Gold mine for uh, Ezra Speeders for like five bucks. 
So I don't know. Like, I don't think there's any vehicles planned, which is ironic because I think that's what anybody would want from this show is the vehicles. But I, I guess if you want Kaz and another Poe Dameron and another BB-8 and another Captain Phasma, like I know that I would imagine the the red First Order Tie Fighter pilot would probably just sell like Gangbusters because it's uh in, it's an Imperial in armor. But yeah, there's gonna be a toy line. I I don't think it's gonna be uh like uh like like a, a launch come spring. I think it's just gonna show up one day with the, the new assortment of figures that hit spring. And that's part of nothing we didn't really discuss with uh, Star Wars in 2019 last week was the fact that like again there's gonna be God uh, at Celebration and Comic Con and Toy Fair there's gonna be so much there's gonna be more merchandise it's gonna be that's the other thing that's gonna be fun to see is that if they tone back any of the merchandise because the uh, well again the the narrative is that the Last Jedi and Solo stuff sold like uh, ice in Alaska but. Mm-hmm. You walk through the Star Wars toy aisle, and they're really not a like. Again, yes, there's Han Solo stuff, but it's just mostly like Han Solo figures. I mean, like the six inch ones, and then for the uh, the three and three quarter inch, it's kind of just more an eclectic group of characters. That I think nobody's interested in, but it's not like like the Force Awakens where you had Elo Asti. No, not Elo Asti. Yeah, Elo Asti, Goss Towers, or whatever his name was, Hux PZ. Not that didn't really happen this time. Like, like don't get me wrong. Obviously, there's always a couple of Rose Ticos and General Huxes floating around, but nowhere near as bad as uh, Force Awakens. I remember I always wanted that General Hux as a kid, that toy, so I could finally live out my dream of um, First Order politics and officer squabbling 101. Did you know if you buy a General Hux toy and you like leave the room and you come back, the Hux toy will actually start to eat the scenery of the other toys you have around the room? <laughs> <laughs> just there's bite mark there's tiny toy bite marks everywhere that's one of the best kept secrets of the force awakens folks that if you like during the uh, uh hux star killer base scene if you like uh freeze frame the blu-ray that's why they had to destroy half the base it's because it's not because that was part of the plan it's because he ate half of it exactly like like i said if you freeze frame on the armor you can actually see bite marks on armor from the chewing all the scenery yes Oh man, Hux! I love Hux as a character. I, I, I really did not like uh, like him in Force Awakens, but considering where they're going with him now, or I guess where Ryan Johnson was taking him, the fact that he's just a, he's a moron, but he's like ironically the most competent moron of the First Order. I, I love I love that as an idea. Like, I, that's a really fascinating way to take a character, the most competent moron in a room full of morons. There's just so many moments where it's like. He's like, I want to seize control. And it's like, they keep on throwing moments in his lap, and all he does is just look at him and go, what, what, what do I do with this? Seize well, control! Well, to be fair, uh-huh. he, probably, he probably makes the smart... In, in all The Last Jedi, Hux makes the smartest move in that film, in that he's in the Snoke throne room, Rey's gone, uh, Snoke's bisected, Kylo Ren is knocked out, and as he's standing there, and it's a very comical shot, it's shot from a low angle... And he slowly starts to take the blaster out of his holster. And then Kylo Ren wakes up and he slowly puts it back into the holster. Like, in all honesty, that is the smartest... Not not putting the blaster away, but the fact of like, oh, great, this guy is, like, unconscious. I can just put him out of his own misery and take control of everything. That probably is the smartest move that any character made in that entire movie. I was like, you know what? I can end this all right now. And unfortunately, Kylo Ren woke up about five seconds too soon. So close. Just before we go, one last thing about uh, I was rewatching The Last Jetty, 
And one thing I picked up on that I haven't seen anybody else pick up on, or at least I haven't read it or heard it anywhere, is that after the uh, Luke versus Kylo Ren confrontation on crate, and Kylo Ren goes into like the the control room of the crate base, and he he has this two sto- uh, snow troopers stop at the at the door, and we see uh, Kylo Ren walks into the room, and then Hux stops, looks through the doorway, and we get a close up on Hux, and you can see there's some genuine contempt, distrust, uh, much or not genuine. Much more distrust and contempt for Kylo Ren from General Hux at that moment than we've seen in either of the films at that point. And I know there's a rumor going around about Episode Nine, where General Hux is apparently feeding the Resistance information to undermine Kylo Ren's control of the First Order. So I have to, I have to wonder maybe if there is an element to that because I, I just picked up on that. That how that scene is shot and the way the camera holds on Hux's face for the amount of time it does, and that's the last we see of him for the rest of the film. So, and, and that is that is a plot point that's been circulating around the Twitters and the Reddits. So, just an idea, folks. That might be real. Remember, even though they threw out most of Colin Madman Trevorrow's script, it's like any of these movies that go through many drafts. Usually, certain elements just are recycled and just brought into it because no one really challenged or had any problem with it just something to think about some food for thought so speaking of food for one's thought and everything i didn't know if you had any rebuttals to the zing this episode or not this week oh the halo one no the the thing oh i didn't listen to it yet i'm behind on my podcasting okay i'm behind unfortunately i've been very busy i just wanted to to point it out real quick because i'm like we're covering a movie so all right uh anybody listening Zegnus has been on a kick with some good movies lately. First, they had um, they had two they had two guests on for the Venom episode. One of them was absolutely fabulous. The other one was a complete hack fraud. Oh yeah, that's right. It was one you. of them was one of them was a complete <laughs> hack fraud. Don't listen to a thing that one person says. They have no idea what they're talking about. They said they, they said the Matrix Revolutions is their is their favorite Matrix film. So automatically, you can't trust the person who says that. And then they did the episode on John Carpenter's The Thing. So yes. is it, yes. is it controversial opinions? There might be a follow up episode to that episode. One can only hope. It's what? Where, Zeng, where, is, where? is it Zengtober? Uh, yeah. Zengtober's coming to an end very soon. Sad. But um, no, um, there, there might be a follow up to the to John Carpenter's The Thing episode because um, there might be a very big episode featuring Judge Zinger. Are you going to do the Thing remake? No, no, no. It's the People versus Ellie. <laughs> I lo- I don't even care what it's about. I just love that title. It's probably it's. I, I I'm not joking. It's more than likely going to be happening. So, is is the jury getting made up of pork peers? Oh my gosh, that's a genius idea. Thank you. <laughs> Yes, so all my pop figure forms are our jury. Oh boy, I look I look forward to that episode, folks. I can't wait. Can't wait. All righty, saying you ready to wrap this bad boy up? Yep, yep. So concludes this episode of the Knights of Vader, a Star Wars podcast. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Knights Vader. Remember, it has changed from the original. It is now at Knights Vader. Check out our Facebook group. Type in Knights of Vader into Facebook, and chances are you'll find it. Some great discussions are going on there now.
If you like what you hear, please rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes or whatever podcasting platform you're currently listening to us on. We haven't gotten a new iTunes review in a while, so we would appreciate if you show us some love if you're listening on iTunes. Or if you even if you don't, you can always write one from your web browser, I think. Mm-hmm. Thank you to Inspiriority Complex for providing our theme song. Check out the show notes to hear more from them. For questions, comments, concerns, or snide remarks, contact me, Zach, on Twitter, at Rogue Knight, K-N-I-T-E. And on the Cinemodies podcast, where we'll be discussing Mandy, the brand new Nicolas Cage movie where he ironically actually acts the least like contemporary Nicolas Cage and actually shows that Nicolas Cage was a good actor at one point. Is. Is and has always been. And I, I, you know, I really like Mandy. I feel this is an uncharacteristic Nicolas Cage performance of the new age. But if you boo on it, the boo on it. But no, check out that episode of Cinemonics if you want to know more about Mandy. But Zenger, where can people find you? Well, you can find me stuck in the Arctic Circle with a group of people and a monster that's trying to be like one of us. Oh, wait, that was the most recent episode of Zygnus. No, you can find me on Zygnus every Monday discussing nerdy, 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 nerdy topics. And since it's Zingtober, they're all creepy-themed. It's funny. You, you're doing Zengtober. We're doing Monstober on Cinematis. Yes, and there is a new tradition that will happen on Halloween every year now. You'll have to stay tuned to Zygnus to find out what it is. Oh, boy. Can't wait to find that out. I know. You might even be on it one year. <gasps> bum, bum, bum. I know. All righty, everybody. Have a good night. Bye. Bye.